One of the nice things about the season of Lent, there's many good things about it, but is it that, it that it affords us these extra services, these extra opportunities to hear God's word and to meditate a little bit, to ponder maybe some parts of scripture that we don't usually reflect on. So we all know that Jesus died on the cross. Most of us know his interaction, his exchange between Pontius Pilate and himself. But sometimes the details, when you're reading these familiar stories of what happened on the night in which he was betrayed, you're thinking, okay, he's going to institute the Lord's Supper. And then there's all these other details that come in. And it's good to have some time to reflect on these things too, which we usually quickly rush past. And so today I just want you to reflect on being at table, being at the table there with Jesus. Throughout his ministry, Jesus conducted a lot of his teaching at a table. This is one of the primary places where he taught his disciples and where he taught anyone who would be at table with him. And his, uh, his normal way of being, his normal um, manner of being, his modus operandi at the table, was usually quite a joyful one. In fact, Jesus was so joyful at the table with the people who were eating with him that it caused a bit of controversy. Maybe you remember this little account at the beginning of Mark's gospel. Why do John's disciples, they ask Jesus, and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but not you? And Jesus said to them, Can the sons of the groom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the groom, they cannot fast. Apparently, when Jesus was sitting down with sinners, with tax collectors, with his apostles, it was a joyous occasion. It was like a marriage feast every time to be at the table with Jesus. In fact, it was so much the case that this was how Jesus conducted himself that here's how he puts it. This is what people were saying about him. This is in Matthew chapter 11. Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It must have been something to be able to sit down with the Lord Jesus, to be in his presence, to be at the table with him, to be able to say to Jesus, hey, can you pass the mustard? I don't know if they ate mustard, but can you imagine? Jesus, pass the salt, pass the pepper. Imagine hanging on his every word. Everything that he said must have carried so much weight, so much power that the disciples and anyone who was gathered there, even his enemies, must have just hushed when he started talking. Must have been a joyous occasion if people looked at him and said, this guy's gluttonous, this guy's a drunkard, he eats too much, he drinks too much, he's too happy, he's a friend of sinners and tax collectors. But it's a little different when we come to the Last Supper, isn't it? The Last Supper of Jesus with his disciples, I want you to think of it this way, teaches us. It teaches us what all is involved in being at his table. And while we think usually of being at the table of Jesus here, we naturally think of coming to Holy Communion, What's true here in Holy Communion is meant to become true everywhere. The way that we worship is meant to impact the way that we live. And so this is kind of the paradigm example of what it means to live in communion with Christ. And the first thing that we should notice is that there is a dreadful reality. There is a dreadful cost of being in communion with Jesus. Truly, Jesus said there at the table, I say to you, one of you will betray me. 
Now, that's not the way that you lead into a joyous table setting, is it? There should be a joke, Jesus, or a nice story. But this is a different kind of a meal. This is the last chance that Jesus has to speak with his disciples, to communicate with them. And so it takes on a very serious tone right from the very start. Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, even one of you who is eating with me. Can you imagine the pain that it took our Lord to say those words, to sit down with his 12 disciples who he had come to know so closely, closer than his own brothers, who he had traveled with for the last three years, living with them day after day after day, and to be sitting there with those 12 and to know that one of his closest friends was soon to betray him. Here's how it is put in the Psalms. Psalm 41, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. And Psalm 55 puts it like this, for it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolent with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. Hopefully you've not known the pain of betrayal. But I know some of you, and I know that you have known that pain. To have your closest friend, to have the closest person to you in your life, completely go against you. That's what Jesus experienced that night. Jesus experienced his friend, his companion, Judas, who we know and we recognize because we know the whole story as always the one who was going to betray him. But Jesus put up with Judas all for those three years, and Jesus loved Judas. I don't think he looked at him every time and said, well, I like all these other guys, but not you over there. After all, he put Judas in charge of the money. He entrusted himself completely to Judas, and Judas betrayed him. But in that, we don't just see something about Judas. We see the cost of our own sins. Think of it this way. Was Jesus only crucified because Judas betrayed him? Could he have gotten away? Could he have somehow figured a way out of the cross if only that man Judas hadn't have done this? And the answer, of course, is no. For each and every one of not just Judas's sins, but for each and every one of your sins, he went to be crucified. This is the dreadful cost of being at table with Jesus. And this is the dreadful weight and the reality of our sins. There are no such thing as innocent little sins that don't affect anyone anywhere at any time. For on the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, every single sin has been laid. Both those sins that are open and obvious to the whole world, like betrayal, and also the secret sins that take place only in the heart, only in the mind. This is the cost of being at table with Jesus. And it is a cost that each and every one of us in this room has contributed to. But it is a cost that he is willing to pay. Christ is willing to put up with betrayers. He is willing to put up with people who should be his closest friends and his tightest companions, but who, when they are out of his sight, think that they can do whatever they want. He is willing to put up with all of your weakness and with those sins of rebellion that are not done out of weakness, but out of spite. 
He puts up with all of this because he loves, he loves even those who would betray him. You can hear that in the next note of that meal. Jesus doesn't just say, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. But he goes on to say, my body will be given for you and my blood will be shed for you. In their mind, they were thinking about the old Passover, right? Where the Lamb of God was sacrificed on behalf of the firstborn sons of Israel. Well, now Jesus says that he is the Lamb of God who is sacrificed not just for the firstborn, but for every single one born of Adam and Eve. For every single man, woman, or child who was born into this world, he lays down his life on your behalf. That is, in your place. What powerful Words, body given, blood shed. This is not a life robbed from Jesus, not taken away from him by the conspiracy of Judas and those who were opposed to Jesus, but he lays it down willingly as your substitute, as your representative. And he opens that up to you to participate in. For when Jesus represents you on the cross, he doesn't simply replace you. Oh yes, he takes your place, make no mistake, but he calls you to come and to be with him. Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you on the cross and is now given to you in the sacrament. Take and drink. This is my blood shed for you on the cross and now poured out to you in the Holy Communion. How wonderful that in this Last Supper we see the dreadful price and the willingness of our Lord to pay the price. But there is also a note of victory. For the bridegroom has not come to just leave the guests of the feast in somber seriousness. Listen again to how the final thing Jesus said. I tell you the truth, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until, until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. As serious and as somber and as severe as it must have been to sit with Jesus at that table, listen to this note of joy. For in that little word, until, in that little word, until, is the promise of victory. I will not drink of it again until I drink it new in the kingdom of God. I go to my death, but I will rise. And when I rise, then the kingdom of God is coming in all of its fullness. And you know that kingdom well, don't you? You know what it is to live under the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You know how to receive his grace, how to live by faith. You know how to receive his love and forgiveness. You know what his power and his glory looks like. You live in that kingdom. And in this kingdom now, on this side of the resurrection, we do not simply walk around with somber, serious faces. Oh, yes, we know the weight of our sins. But we also know the glory of our Savior. And so to be at the table with Jesus brings both of these things to the forefront of our minds, the seriousness of our sins, that every sin is like a little betrayal of Jesus, but the wonderfulness of his cross, the wonderfulness, is that even a word? The glory of his resurrection. For now he comes to us already, hidden in the bread and the wine, to drink anew the wine, the joy of his Father. For truly to be with Jesus, to be at his table, to be his people who receive the Holy Communion and who live every day in communion with him is a thing of great joy. 
Rejoice, dear friends. You have a Lord who sits at table with you. You have a Lord who is willing to pay the price for you. You have a Lord who has brought his kingdom in glory and will one day bring that kingdom to sight. And then we'll sit with him without a thought of betrayal anymore, without any memory of sins, for he will put our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west. And then it will be all joy all the time. To Christ be the glory now and forever. Amen.